Society of Laboratory Automation and Screening. This is SLAS Technology Podcast. I'm David Pector. On today's podcast, we're going to be taking a look at a special issue on personalized and precision medicine, making N of one medicine a reality. And we have with us the guest editors, Dean Ho, Professor of Oral Biology and Medicine and Bioengineering at UCLA, and Ali Zarenpar, Assistant Professor of Surgery at David Geffen School of Medicine, also at UCLA. And I can add that Dean is former SLAS president and also was editor-in-chief of SLAS Technology for six years. Welcome. Thank you for having us. It's good to be able to talk to you guys. Great to have you. So personalized and precision medicine, what is that? Where is the precision and the personalization come in? And why is it advantageous and where does it have the best opportunity for improving care? Well, I guess I'll go ahead and start, and uh, Ali uh, can join in as well since he has a very important clinical perspective. But uh, the fields of personalized and precision medicine, you know, focus in the, the notion that everybody's different, right? Everybody's physiology is different. But the conventional standards of practice typically involve the use of generalized regimens to treat patients. And when we know that patients are different, but they receive the same generalized care, it's un not unexpected to have widely variable treatment responses. And so with the advent of okay. new technologies that can personalize care to individual patients dynamically, since physiologies in the same patient can change constantly, that can really open up new avenues to optimizing the outcomes for all patients. Oh, okay, I see. Okay, so it can even have beyond, it can have a wider footprint. So where are we in the kind of adoption curve? You know, they have these sigmoidal curves that, you know, describe technology as it comes on. And, you know, there's different phases of the adoption of new technology. So where are we in the adoption of personalized and precision medicine? I think we're very, very early. We're just beginning to learn exactly, not just that people are different, but exactly what about the differences is it that we can target, we can treat, is important, and what are the differences that are not important? You know, we're all very complicated, we're all very complex, and we don't really have a good way of dissecting all the differences and, and, and trying to figure out, well, you know, these people may have the same cancer, and they may be the same age, race, sex, whatever, but this person's cancer is very different from this other person's cancer, or this person's medical history is different from this other person's medical history, or you know, what are the important differences? There's okay. a lot of information out there that we're trying to just sift through and try to figure out exactly what it is that are the important things. So for example, okay. a lot of the precision medicine approaches now look at sequencing, uh, not just sequencing the tumors in, you know, in cancer cases, but also sequencing the native DNA of, of patients. And the fraction of people for whom this approach makes a difference is maybe one to five on a, on a, on a good day in a, in a good disease. We're still not quite able to affect the 95 to 99% of patients. And the question is, you know, what is it that's really going to make this change? What is it that is really going to be sort of the, the revolution. Okay. So 
this is a, I mean, this is a huge issue. So why is this a perfect topic for SLAS technology as a journal? Well, I think that one of the many neat parts of this journal is that it's highly multidisciplinary. And so the journal topics that have been highlighted either in regular issues or special issues have included everything from robotics to microfluidics to nanomedicine to optimizing combination therapy and novel diagnostic and imaging strategies, for example. And all of these technologies have an important role to play in personalizing precision medicine. And if you think about the the implementation of personalizing precision medicine in the clinic, there are several components from early diagnosis to taking patient samples and developing new ways to process these samples, be it tumor biopsies or blood samples, and then use those samples to design optimized combination therapies. And then the use of other diagnostics like circulating tumor cell analysis to monitor treatment in real time uh, so that treatment can be modulated or adapted to changes in patient physiology during the course of treatment. So you have this suite of technologies that can capture how patients are responding and then respond in a very actionable fashion. And what's neat is that this issue and this topic spans both big data as well as uh, big data is what a lot of um, the community conventionally thinks of when they think of personalized precision medicine, but to other technologies that don't necessarily rely on or need big data to perform optimization. So the journal, the society, the community that SLAS serves really highlights all of the important breakthroughs that will indeed make N of One Medicine a reality and is already making it a reality in certain cases as well. Yeah. So I was, you know, just kind of going to discuss that a little further. So, you know, we talk about N of One. That's sort of the the basis of precision medicine. But to get to that N of one, you have to do millions and billions and trillions of experiments of, of assays. And no one's going to dispute that really technology and high throughput sort of assays, automation, all of that is going to be not just crucial, but completely essential to the idea of being able to figure out how each of these assays is going to contribute and how each of these people are going to be different. So when we talk about N of 1, we're talking about N of 1, but we're talking about N of 1 times 8 billion. So, um, yeah, that's really what SLAS technology comes in, in that, you know, no one person or even a a large group of people sitting and doing experiments on their own or even, you know, in, in however sort of however many human hands are available, no one's going to be able to do that. What it really is going to need, what this precision medicine approach is going to need and is already relied on is high throughput sequencing, is multiplexed uh, assays, and all of these are really kind of where SLS technology sits at the intersection of the various different approaches to these kinds of problems, whether it's engineering, computation, microfluidics, all of that. And and they kind of all come in into this journal. and, And, you know, it really is, I think, where the future is. Okay. Wow. Well, now I'm as interested as I think listeners and potential readers will be. So give us an overview of some of the articles in the journal. I'll go ahead and start. I think the leadoff article in the issue is particularly exciting, and it involves shaking up the biotech industry and how how the biotech industry can learn from the general tech 
industry. And this was uh, an article by Catherine Wong, who is an experienced pharma and tech executive who has experience in out-licensing all the way to technology development to nanotechnology. Um, And this article kind of talks about how conventional biotech is starting to shift towards virtual models and ways to run lean to improve the capital efficiency of their operations and accelerate drug development. And at the same time, this article was kind of born from a presentation that she gave at the SLAS conference a couple of years ago, looking at everything from the mindset of the biotech industry and how they adopt programs um, and how they accelerate programs, how how they design programs to all the way to leadership. In the tech industry, leadership is typically their backgrounds and their, their mindset of the pace by which their products can be developed. And by merging these mindsets, ultimately the drug development field and the pharma industry and the, and the tech industry and the medical device industry will ultimately realize more innovative and compelling products faster. So that was an intriguing article to me. And we have a lot of other exciting articles that Ali um, can comment on further, ranging from, you know, optimizing something that we did was optimizing combination therapy uh, for acute lymphoblastic uh, leukemia, working with a very innovative physician at UCLA, Vivian Chang, all the way to really exciting uh, diagnostic and sample processing strategies from David Beebe's group, at Wisconsin. So it's a really exciting issue that covers therapy mm-hmm. to diagnostics to technology. Yeah, I think it's a very eclectic group of articles. And I think that's precisely the way it should be, that the future is going to really be very multidisciplinary. And people really need to sort of get out of their various silos in terms of, well, you know, this is the way I do my science and this is the way I do my science. And I think that we have seen how this has really affected how science is done. The big data now affecting how we uh, look at health data and how we use that, uh, the interpretations there to uh, come up with treatments like multi-drug therapy. How do you take a very sort of simple problem, right? How do you kill cells in a dish? And you know, how do you best do that using a combination of drugs? Um, and what this means for treatment of the cancer that those cells represent. So there are various different approaches to solving these problems. And this uh, leukemia paper is, uh, I think, one that should be looked at very closely because I think that it really is a nice demonstration of the power of systematically going about uh, optimizing combination therapy. There's the review that I wrote on incorporating inhibiting metabolic pathways into uh, cancer therapy. And the thing with metabolic pathways is that, like a lot of other cell signaling pathways and whatnot, they're very overlapping, very redundant, and blocking one pathway a lot of times leads to resistance or increases and flow through other pathways. And so you really have to go at it in a combination way. And so to really be able to use these kind of approaches, you have to optimize combination therapy. Right. Wow. It sounds like a terrific combination of articles. And the fact that it's eclectic is going to generate that kind of cross-discipline thinking that you feel is very much what's needed to move this forward. Absolutely. Dean's an engineer and I'm I'm a physician. I think that Dean and I have uh, you know, worked very well together and sort of, you know, taking questions from one discipline and applying it to the other and approaches from one discipline and and trying to 
think about you know solving problems in a way that other people have demonstrated they can solve their own problems. I think that there's uh, there are a lot of different ways to arrive at a solution to to the same problem. You just kind of have to figure out well, you know, can you break outside of your own sort of silo? And to echo Ali, you know, Ali and I have uh, lived the experience together. He's an outstanding clinician. We have an, you know, there's an engineering platform that we collaborated on to prospectively optimize immunosuppression in the clinic together, which resulted in uh, clear benefits to the patient. And so we are trying to kind of harness that in this special issue to feature technologies that when implemented in the clinic and in some cases together, clear improvements are realized. All right. So I want to thank Dean and Ali for joining us on SLAS Technology Podcast to discuss this special issue on personalized and precision medicine, making N of one medicine a reality. For SLAS Technology Podcast, this is David Pector.